You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. And all these smiling faces. I think it's the weather uh, because it's warmed up a little bit. I hate the cold, so I really hope the cold doesn't come back. I'm just a, I'm a baby when it's cold outside. I'm just going to be honest with you. I hate it. Uh, so I really like this warm weather. We've started a new series last week called The Rescue. And we said we were going to look at three particular days. The day that Jesus died on the cross, which we talked about last week. The day after, and then the day of resurrection, the greatest day in the history, which we'll celebrate next week. And I just want to encourage you guys to continue to invite people that you've been trying to get to come to church. Easter's just one of those days where people might show up. So just continue to invite. And we want to see lives changed. And we want to see people really understand and grasp the concept of the rescue and how Jesus truly did what only he could do and that we needed it. And we talked about that last week, how we were all sinners, how we all fall short of God's glory, how we deserve an eternity in hell. And we talked about how real that is and the separation from God for eternity and the pain and the suffering and the anguish of that. And we talked about how we really, truly deserve that fate. But then God sent his only son. And then Jesus hung on a cross, and we we got three big takeaways from that. And we saw that Jesus bore our sinfulness, that although he was perfect, although he was holy, although he didn't deserve death, he took our sin upon his shoulders to redeem us. We saw that he broke down the separation, how once a year a priest would have to go into the temple and, and offer some sacrifices to God, and there was this one room, the the holy of holy places in the temple where the presence of God rested. And when Jesus was dead on the cross, the veil was torn. And Jesus broke down the separation. He said, hey, I'm the way to God. You have direct access through me. You don't have to count on a human. You can come directly through me. And then we saw that he created a spiritual shift. And instead of following the law and instead of trying to fulfill the law, we realized that Jesus came and did that for us. We realized that it's no longer about that type of life. It's not a life of do's and don'ts. It's a life of following after Jesus. And man, I was excited after the message last week. And man, I couldn't wait to get back here and continue on in the story. But what we're going to look at today is the day after the death of Jesus. We're going to look at what is commonly referred to as Holy Saturday, and there's really not much about this in Scripture, but it doesn't mean that we can't gain perspective from this day. Because to me, this day is super important. Because in our lives, if we're honest, we've all been in a, in a situation or a season in our life where we've been between the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We've been in this waiting period in our life. 
And if you think about this story, Jesus had some followers, right? He had some disciples, and then he had many more just following after him. A lot of people thought Jesus was crazy. A lot of people thought he was just another gifted teacher. But there were many that bought in to who Jesus said he was. He said he was the Savior of the world, and they believed that. And they left their life, and they began to follow after him. And then he gets arrested, he gets beaten, and then he ultimately gets killed. And I have to imagine that these, these followers of Jesus are thinking, how can someone that's dead save the world? And if we're honest with ourselves, there's a question that they were facing that we too face. And that question is this, what do we do when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? What do we do when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. And man, that's a, little, that's a little deep because maybe on the surface you're thinking, well, he's God. Like, I don't have expectations for him. But if you really get honest with yourself, you have an expectation for God. There, there are circumstances and situations that you believe should play out a certain way. There's been a time in your life where you've expected to celebrate but instead, you were let down. There was a time in your life where you thought you were going to marry that amazing man, and you were left brokenhearted. There was a time that you thought you were going to have that baby, but instead you were left wondering if it would ever happen. There was a time that you thought you would be married to the same person forever, and God was just going to bless that marriage. But instead, you ended up divorced and all alone. And there was a time you thought your kids were going to grow up and follow after Jesus. But instead, they wandered so far away, you don't even know who they are. There was a time in your life that you thought Jesus was going to do something a certain way. But instead, he did not meet your expectations. And the question is, what do we do when that happens? Can you imagine these people that were following after Jesus on earth, believing that he was the Savior? Now, he told them what was going to happen. He told them he was going to be arrested. He told them he was going to be put to death. And he told them that he was going to defeat death through resurrection. But we can see from their response that they didn't quite understand the plan. Because when he was arrested, what did the disciples do? They fled. Man, they were scared. They didn't want the same thing to happen to them. And what I want to do this morning is I just want to read pretty much the, the only passage about the day after that we find in Scripture. And I, wanna, I want us to take two, two things from this passage this morning. Just two. I want us to see how we can respond when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. We're going to be in the book of Matthew again, chapter 27. We're going to start in verse... 62. And as you're turning there and your phones or your Bibles also be on the screen, I want you to, to do something for me this morning. I want you to block out all distractions this morning because I believe that today, if we can truly understand from the cross to the day after, then it's going to propel us into next week where we celebrate the resurrection. But I think today is a pivotal day for us as a church a pivotal day for us as individuals 
to first admit that there are times when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. And then how we can respond with that. So as we read, I just want you to, to focus on the Spirit and allow the Spirit to move and to work in your hearts this morning. Matthew 27, starting in verse 62. It says, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. God, we pray that you work this morning. We pray that you move. We pray that you're glorified and you're honored. God, we pray that your spirit changes hearts and lives this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So two ways, really quick, that we can respond to this. We see that the chief priests and the Pharisees go to Pilate, and they're remembering what Jesus said. They're remembering that he said, hey, in three days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out of here. I'm not staying here. This isn't, this isn't my final destination. I'm breaking out of this place. And they remembered that he said that. So then they go to Pilate and say, hey, we know that he said this, but what if his disciples or some people come and try to steal him and then they say that Jesus rose and then people start believing this again? We want to secure this thing. We don't want anybody to steal him. But here's the cool part about that. There's no way that they could believe the disciples could even steal Jesus' body. There were guards set in place already, and there was this stone already rolled that would take all of the disciples working together to move it. And we know from Scripture the disciples probably could not all work together in unity to move this stone. That just wasn't their style. They'd be arguing over who should be in the front, who should be in the middle, who was the greatest, who was the strongest, and the stone would have never been moved. But here's the interesting part to me. That these chief priests and these Pharisees, they remembered what Jesus said. They remembered who Jesus said he was. While the disciples were at home and scattered, scared, seemingly forgetting what Jesus had said. So our first response when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations is this. We believe Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And first of all, he says he is God. We see that all throughout Scripture. John 10, 30 says, I and the Father am one. And then in Mark 14, this is right before the crucifixion. Verses 60 through 64 says this, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he, Jesus, remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. Here's, here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I am 
God. I am the son of God. I am deity. He made these claims all throughout scripture. And when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, the first thing we must do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We have to. If we don't believe that he is God, if we don't believe that he is who he says he is, then we have no hope. We have no hope, not just for the situation that we're in, but for our life, for eternity. There's nothing there. What are we living for? And this word hope is, man, it's something that we've kind of twisted around here in our culture. And we say, man, I really hope I can get a good grade on this test, or I really hope I get this job, or I really hope this girl likes me, or I really hope Ashley's not mad at me because I didn't do the dishes. All this different stuff, we turn hope into something that could happen. That's not the biblical definition of hope. We have hope because of what has already happened. We have hope because Jesus is who he says he is. So when we hope for the future, we're not just hoping that something happens, we're believing that it's already happened, and we get to take part in that. And when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, it changes everything in our life. So when our expectations aren't met, we can get to a place internally where we say, hey, I understand that this is not the way that I wanted things to go. But I'm trusting that Jesus is God. I'm trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he knows better than I know. That he knew I didn't need that job. That he knew I didn't need to marry that guy. That he knew I didn't need a kid right now. That he knew that I was going to be divorced and I was going to be hurting. That he knew that my kids were going to wander away and he's there to comfort me and he's got a plan that's bigger than anything that I could ever imagine. And if we think about where the disciples were that day and where Jesus' followers were that day, where they were just confused, they were scared. They thought that this man was truly the Messiah, and now he's dead. But how their mindset and life would have changed if they could have fully believed that Jesus was who he said he is. That, yeah, he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be put to death, but he would ultimately defeat that. And he would ultimately return to life, defeating death once and for all. The first thing we must do is believe Jesus is God. And then Jesus also says this. He says that he is the way of salvation, that he's the only way to God. We see John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then Colossians chapter one says this. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the deal. Jesus isn't just God. Jesus is the savior of the world. He's the only way to salvation. He says, I'm the gate. If anyone enters to me, he will be saved. 
This is who Jesus says he is. The question we have to answer is, do we believe it? Do we truly believe he is God? Do we truly believe that he has done everything necessary for our salvation? And we looked last week at how we needed to be rescued, how we needed salvation. And now we have to answer the question, do we believe he's done everything necessary for that? Do we truly believe God is who he says he is? Do we truly believe that even when our expectations aren't met, that he's still in control and that he's still working all things for the good of those who love him? And do we believe that this morning? Because we're going to continue to go through life. We're going to continue to have situations and circumstances where our expectations aren't met. And I'm going to give you a good example. I just celebrated my 10th year anniversary. And y'all can clap for that if you want because I wasn't sure I was going to make it to 10 years. We made it. We're going to just take it one year at a time. But here's the deal. Even after 10 years, there are, there are times that she's expecting me to do something that I don't do. She's expecting me to do things a certain way, and I don't do it that way. But here's, here's what happens, is that she knows that I still love her, but she doesn't stop expecting me to do things a certain way. And I am going to continue over the next 10 years to not meet her expectations at certain times. And we always expect the same of God. We expect him to do stuff a certain way. We expect our life to go a certain way. And over and over and over, we're going to experience unmet expectations. And it's not because he's not good. It's not because he's not strong. It's not because he doesn't love us. It's because our expectations are based off of worldly, selfish desires. And his expectations and his reality is based off bringing all things back to himself. And that's a different, it's a different ball game. So if we're going to get through that as Christ followers, then we must believe Jesus is who he says he is. We must believe that he's God and we must believe that he's salvation. The second thing that we could do is we can remove the obstacles. Because what happens is when our expectations aren't met, we begin to put up obstacles in our life. We begin to put up blocks between us and Jesus. And we see this verses 65 and 66 of Matthew that we read. It says, Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So let's just look at the tomb of Jesus really quick. We see from this passage, and it talks about the stone earlier on, but from, in this passage we see that there was a stone in place. There was a material object blocking the entrance of the tomb. And what I think happens in our life is when our expectations aren't met by Jesus, we begin to put material objects in the way. We begin to try to replace the relationship with Jesus with something worldly 
with something materialistic because we're let down now by the one who is supposed to love us, the one who is supposed to be the savior of the world, the one who is supposed to hold all things in his hands. We're let down by him. He didn't meet our expectations. So we run to the world and we begin to put obstacles in place. We begin to put stones up and we begin to say, hey, he's let us down too many times. Our expectations haven't been met too many times. And we begin to roll stones in between us and Jesus. While he's still working on our behalf constantly, while he's still yelling at us that he loves us, while he's still working all things out, while he's still blessing us. But because we were let down, because of our own selfish expectations, we began to roll stones. Material things, worldly things, in between us and Jesus. Because we rather the temporary satisfaction than the eternal security that's found in Jesus. That's our culture here in America. We want, we want, we want, and we want it right now. We want the, the satisfaction to be immediate. It doesn't matter if it's fleeting. We just want. And that's not the, the way of heaven. That's not the way that God works. But we rather, instead of waiting and trusting, we rather roll things in between that satisfy us. But not only was there a stone, we see that Pilate said, hey, go and seal the stone. And what this was, this was the Roman seal. And this was just probably made of some type of clay and then there was a rope tied to it. So if the seal was broken, the guards could be put to death because it was, a, it was authority of Rome. Once that seal was placed on there, that was it. So they expected, hey, if anybody can make it past the guards, when they see this seal, there's no way they're going to break this seal because they will be put to death for doing that. Because it was some type of authority for Rome. And I believe that we fall trapped to this because when Jesus does meet our expectations, we start listening to other people. We start allowing the authority of other people to speak into our life. Hey, God doesn't really love you as much as he says he does, or as much as your Bible says he does, or as much as your church says he does. If he loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. So listen to me and let's go do this and let's follow after this. You don't need God in this life. And people begin to speak into you. And when we're vulnerable and in a state of unmet expectations, it's a lot easier for us to listen to someone else. It's a lot easier for the enemy to begin to whisper things into our ear. And we've talked about this before, but Satan knows exactly how to talk to you. He knows exactly what to say to you. He knows exactly what to try to get you to think. 
He knows exactly what to put in front of you. He knows your weaknesses, and he will use those to pull you as far away from Jesus as he can. And we begin to allow his authority to overtake the authority of God. And again, we don't consciously do this. It's not that we say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to believe in God anymore. I'm going to just start following after Satan. That's not how it works. How it works is we believe that, man, yeah, we still believe in God. and We, we may still say we love him, but he just has let us down. So we're going to start just living life our own way just a little bit. And a little bit turns into a lot. And a lot turns into a life that's completely separated from Jesus because we listen to the authority of the enemy instead of the authority of God. Now, what do we do when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? Not only do we see a stone and a seal, but then we saw that they had strength at the tomb, that there was already a set of guards, and then they brought in more guards. They did not want Jesus out of the tomb. And this all actually worked into the favor of the resurrection that we're going to see and talk about next week. That they put all this stuff in place to keep Jesus in the tomb, yet he defeated death anyway. And it made it all the more sweet and all the more historically relevant that they did all this stuff to keep Jesus in. And Jesus said, this isn't where I'm staying. And I think that we do that. That we want to keep Jesus in a box. We want to keep Jesus inside. He's continuously not meeting our expectations. We're continuously being let down. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that your life is going to be full of letdowns by following Jesus. I'm saying there are seasons in your life where you're going to feel like he's not meeting your expectations. There's going to be things that happen in your life where you're wondering where he is. Wondering what he's doing. Wondering why things aren't going a certain way. And when we go through those seasons... I believe we try to shut God out and keep him in this little box where we kind of put the religious aspect of life. Say, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Now my relationship's falling apart. I've been trying for two years to get it to work, but I'm going to leave God in this box and I'm going to keep doing it on my own because I know that I'm, cool enough and smart enough and charming enough to make it work somehow, even though the last two years I did nothing right. Or well, we've been trying and trying and trying to have babies, but I'm going to keep God in this box and we'll keep doing it our way because we don't need him. And I'm going to really get clean this time. I've been trying to do it on my own over and over and over, but this time I'm really going to get clean and I'm just going to leave God in this box. 
And how ridiculous does it sound for us to continue to try to do life the same way we've been doing it all on our own when we have a God who is supreme and sovereign, who can truly work out all things, maybe not the way we want them to work out, but the way that's best for the kingdom of God. How crazy is it that we leave them in a box? And anytime we feel like he's coming out, we run away or we shove them back in. Now, what do we do when God doesn't meet our expectations? We're going to wrap it up with this this morning. But I want you to think about some things in your life that you just, you thought were going to go a certain way. That you, you really believed that something was going to happen and you were going to be able to celebrate and you were going to be able to live life. But I'll tell you that this happened for me a lot of times, some bigger than others, right? We're always let down by something in life. We live in a fallen world full of sin and we set our expectations pretty high a lot of times and not, not everyone can meet our expectations and not everything is always going to work out the way we want it to work out. But I, I'm, I'm assuming and I'm believing this morning that you've been in that place in your life. That you've been in a situation where you just had unmet expectations. And I'm even going to believe this morning that there's been at least one of those times that was just crazy hard for you to deal with. That you began to question God. That you began to truly start asking why. Why is this happening? And this morning, as you think about that situation, I want you to think about how you responded to that. I want you to think about if you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And then I want you to think about, do you begin to put up obstacles in your life? Do you begin to truly block out God? Because we do that. So this morning, and I, I want to ask you a really personal question this morning. Because this is, this is what our life hinges on. This is what our future hinges on. Is do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is one with God? Do you believe he is the only way to salvation? Do you believe he has done everything necessary for you? And have you began to live that out in your life? Have you made the decision to follow after Jesus? Not, to, not just to know who he is, 
but to truly begin a relationship with him and allow him to change you from the inside. So I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning, but I am going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with nobody looking around. And this morning, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do this morning, but I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you guys. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that you, that you pray as well. And I'm going to say two different prayers this morning. One, I'm going to pray for those of you who may have never began to follow after Jesus. And if you're feeling the Spirit speaking to you this morning to take that step of faith and to begin a relationship with Him, I just want you to repeat the prayer after me. You can repeat it silently to yourself. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or anything like that. And then I'm going to pray for those of us who just haven't maybe responded to unmet expectations the right way. And I want you guys to pray as well. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.